And now Money Matters with the Lewises, Doug, Linda, and Deborah, owners of Lewis Financial Management, a Raleigh-based financial planning firm providing investment and planning advice since 1983. Doug is a certified financial planner who could answer your questions about investments, retirement planning, and estate planning. Why not call Doug, Linda, and Deborah right now with your investment question at 919-860-9783. That's 919-860-9783. Now, here's Doug, Linda, and Deborah. Investments offered through SFA, Inc., investment advice through Lewis Financial Management. SFA, Inc. and Lewis Financial Management are not related entities. Hello, North Carolina. This is Doug Lewis, certified financial planner, once again welcoming you to Money Matters with the Lewises, Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis. Good evening, North Carolina. We are the Lewis family. This is Linda Lewis. This is Doug Lewis, certified financial planner. And this is Deborah Lewis, certified financial planner. And we are here tonight again, ready to answer any of your questions about financial planning, investment planning, retirement planning, cash flow planning, income tax planning, estate planning, or college education planning. We are yours tonight. Julie, how can I help you this Hi, evening? Hi, Doug. How are you? How are you, Julie? I'm fine. Um, I am a, a financial novice. I have no idea really about investments and that sort of thing. I do have a 401k plan through work, and mm-hmm. I do have some stop o- stock options through work that I've just recently begun purchasing. Um, you purchasing options? Well, maybe I'm not saying the right thing, but I'm buying stock through work. Oh, you're in a stock purchase plan. Oh, okay. 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 An option is the right to buy stock, but you're actually buying the stock probably at a discount. Probably so. We have a small home that we would like to eventually turn over and, and buy a better home. And also, we've got two young boys that within the next 10 years will be going to college. And I'd like to, to do something about building up our financial base so that we can do some of the things that we want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what we need is somebody to sit down with with some no-nonsense ideas that, that can maybe set us straight. Mm-hmm. Um, does your company offer that sort of advice or... Yeah, that's what we do for a living. As a matter of fact, that's uh, we're, we're financial planners, and we sit down and we take a look at your income, mm-hmm. and we look at your assets. That means everything you own, and we look at your liabilities. That's everything you owe. What else do we do, Linda? Uh, we look at the tax returns, mm-hmm. federal and state, the most current ones that you have. Right. And then the last thing is uh, your living expenses. That's the most important one. And then we lo- then we try and figure out what are your goals. For example, you mentioned education, two boys. Right. That's the college education plan. Right. And we got to find out, how, by the way, how old are the kids? Um, they're eight and 10. You have an eight and a 10. So you have basically eight years on one and 10 years on the other. Right. And then we also have to go ahead and look at your retirement. We look at uh, fin- what we call financial independence. And in both of those cases, we target a future dollar figure. In mm-hmm. other words, we have to find out how much will you need to pay for the college education. And then we back into the next step of how much you need to set aside on a regular monthly basis now to make sure that you have enough to reach that point then. Mm-hmm. Same thing with retirement. And then sometimes we'll take a look at the expenses and find out if, in other words, if you don't have enough to reach those goals, and we have to find out where you need to cut back because it's a matter of just making your decisions how to get to the right place that you want to get to. Right. 
Doug, isn't an emergency fund an important thing at the beginning? Before we do the asset allocation model, we have to establish an emergency fund. So if your question, uh, Julie, is what does a financial planner and a financial planning firm do, then that's exactly what they do. They identify your needs and your goals. They analyze. It's a six-step process, actually, but they analyze where you're at now, what you have, how much it will take to get where you want to go, and will you make it, and then makes recommendations how to go ahead and get there, what to do, and so forth. And that process is usually a non-sales, it should be a non-sales process. It should be a process which is designed towards the advice. I see. Julie, I can send you a packet of information if you'd like to call the office uh, during the week. And our number is 8727000, here in Raleigh. And I'll, I'll be happy to send you a sort of an introductory packet that gives you some information that I think you would find very helpful and interesting to read Mm-hmm. as far as establishing some goals and, and getting some direction. All right. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate the time. Thank you for calling, Julie. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Well, Doug, Linda, in the world of cash flow planning, you know, what are some easy ways to simplify one's financial life? Well, I think these easy ways that you're talking about, Deborah, are sort of crucial because understanding the steps for good financial decision-making and simplifying your role can help Take control. It helps you take control of your finances. So the first real easy step, I would say, is pare down your accounts. You probably don't really need more than one checking account or one savings account. Uh, You don't need to have different accounts with many different financial institutions. Just consolidate your bank accounts to one checking account and one savings account. And I think that's the first easy step. Another easy step is to prioritize. Picture your future and choose a few financial goals to focus on at a time, like boosting your 401k or growing an ample emergency fund. It's important to be specific about those goals. You want to accomplish them, and so therefore you want to have clear steps. And you need to know those steps so you can reach those goals. Writing your goals down can help you stick to them. It's also important to keep track of your comprehensive budget. So when you're ready to get control of your financial life, it's important to make sure that you are living within your means. Once you start tracking where all your money's going, you may be surprised by how much you're spending in each category and how much your money can be put to better use. Yeah, these habits that we're talking about are... They need to be automated. They need to be automated good habits. If you can't trust yourself to follow through on positive behavior in your finances, consider not giving yourself the option. Don't give yourself any option. Set up direct deposits and contributions so you can watch your financial goals come into grasp without even having to be proactive about it. If you never see the money sitting in your account, you can't spend it. So on the retirement side, set up your 401k to go automatically and you'll never see that money, but it's going to be growing for you. And, and if you your, can, I would add to that, Doug, if you can, set it up on automatic to where it's a match of what your empl- or it's the amount that your employer matches. I think that should be the maximum. You're yeah. right, Deborah. And then what about just developing a personal investment portfolio outside of the 401k type of investment portfolio? How can we do this so it's got an automatic good habit? 
setting up a pay yourself first investment plan. And we call it that because what we want to do is we want our money that's going to be set aside to come out first, then we pay our bills, and then we have our spending money. And it is important, isn't it, to inventory your stuff. Take stock of everything that you own. The easier your financial management is, the more likely you are to stay on top of it and be in better fiscal health. So once you've got these easy steps, I think it's very crucial to put down your last easy step is call and make an appointment to see a certified financial planner like Doug Lewis, like Like Deborah Deborah Lewis. Lewis, and we will go ahead and help you get on track to achieving your financial goals. You know, and it's funny because it really is that easy. You know, it's it's building habits. It's starting in one place. It's knowing where you want to end up and quantifying what many people come in. Their very first question is, do I have enough? And I always I always, you know, chuckle or say, you know, well, that's what we're here. We're going to find out is what is enough and do you have enough? Right. You know, enough is different for every person. It is always so refreshing when we have uh, some of our listeners that have come in recently and over the years that we've been on WPTF, um, it's always refreshing to see, especially young couples, so excited when they start this habit. Oh, yeah. Because oftentimes they've already started co- uh, contributing to their 401k or some retirement plan. But when they realize, okay, where's all this extra money going to go because we've been spending, but now we want to stop spending and we want to start saving. And it's exciting, isn't it? It really is. It really is. It builds little successes that eventually translate into retirement success, which means I've made it. For a consultation with Doug or Deborah Lewis, call Lewis Financial Management at 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000. Well, Doug, Linda, I don't know if you caught this, but there was a lot of Um, topical conversation about this young girl down in Atlanta who had called into a radio station. And what was funny is because now with social media, this conversation went viral. So there were a lot of people who were talking about this call in to a radio station. And a lot of what she said brought was brought to the financial presses, even in social media. And the the big thing was about this girl who had called into a radio station and she was blaming her parents after she had blown a $90,000 college fund. Yeah, this college Whoa. student. Yeah, she's a college student, but I think she deserves an F in accounting because she blew through an entire $90,000 college fund on expensive clothes, a trip to Europe, and now she has no way to pay for her senior year in college and she blames the predicament on her parents. Wow, this is crazy. The 22-year-old woman detailed her financial woes on an Atlanta FM show. And we'll call her, her name is Kim, but she didn't mention her last name. Anyway, on this radio show, she said that it was all her parents' fault for not showing her how to manage her money. I love some of her quotes. Maybe they should have taught me how to budget a little better, a little more carefully. They never sat me down and had a real serious talk. They said, here's your college fund. It's for classes only. You know, this college fund had been set up by her grandparents years ago. It was probably a UGMA account. So she contacted the radio show after the school mailed her a tuition bill for her senior year. And she explained that she was short $20,000 
for her two financial decisions on her two last semesters. You know, I'm noticing we got a call coming in. Let's leave Kim and her uh, her dilemma until after we take Ke- uh, Jeff's call. Jeff, this is Doug Lewis, certified financial planner. Deborah Lewis, certified financial planner. How can we help you this evening? Hey, good evening, guys. I just want to let you know I love the show. Listen to it every weekend on WPPF. Appreciate it, Jeff. Well, thank you. Hey, well, I got a quick question, I, and I've, I've written notes a lot over the time. I have not um, taken the step yet to meet with a certified financial planner. However, I have gotten your package in the mail. I'm just uh, being a little bit lazy about following through, but I wanted to ask you something. So for somebody who is not like a, a multimillionaire currently, but let's say your average middle-class person, help me understand the, the frequency and the amount of time that is spent on the initial visit versus subsequent visits. Is it once a year? Is it twice a year? How often are the CFP and the clients potentially meeting, assuming it's not a sophisticated client? Well, we uh, about four or five weeks ago, we br- started talking about something called EGODIM, E-G-O-D-I-M. I don't know if you were listening to that, uh, no, that show. Not. Anyway, EGODIM is an acronym for Establish the relationship, gather the information, analyze the information, develop a financial plan, implement the financial plan, and monitor on a regular basis. So we start with this E. The E is the crucial factor because it's established the relationship. And during that initial meeting, you need to, if you're meeting with us, for example, uh, we will, of course, have sent to you, and you probably already got it. You, you got a form ADV from us, which which showed you uh, the types of relationships that we offer. Well, mm-hmm. dur- during that initial meeting, we want you to be comfortable that you know what is the relationship you want to hire us for. So we have that laid out, the different options, and then at the end of that meeting, you've told us what is the relationship you want and how much attention you want, and how often. Now, sometimes clients will go ahead and ask for advice. They'll say, what do you think is advisable? In that, When I'm asked that question, I always defer it until the last part of the meeting because I don't know that much about the client yet. We establish the relationship. What does he want? Does he want someone to go ahead and write a financial plan and go on fee-based financial planning, flat fee, or does he want to pay just by advice by the hour? Once And he wants to address certain issues one at a time. Once we've gotten comfortable, he and I, about the relationship that he wants to hire us for, then I have to find out more during that initial meeting. I have to find out who he is. I have to find out his personality. I've got to find out, is he uh, a laid-back, easygoing person, or is what uh, someone might call a worry wart? And there's nothing wrong with worry warts, and there may be a lot wrong with laid-back people. But the point is, we want the comfort level of the client to be tied to the frequency of the meetings. If the relationship is one that is paid for by the hour, then I would say at a at a, uh, a max, well, let me see. It should be either quarterly or semi-annual or annual. Annual feels pretty weird to me. To wait a whole year before meeting with the client again and looking at his situation, uh, that's pretty rare that I'll recommend The only clients that, uh, that usually fit into that category are, are 
Um, they're so few and far between. You have questions. The Lewises have answers. For a consultation with Doug or Deborah Lewis, call Lewis Financial Management at 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000. Here's what I would say. The how long and how often, uh, Jeff, kind of goes like this. Are or how often is going to be based on how complicated your situation is. So if you are, um, let's say, just a young college graduate and just getting started and want to buy some hourly advice on how to build some good financial habits, you might come in maybe twice a year because you're literally just getting started. The more complicated your, your situation becomes, the more usually the client initiates either a, a three-month or four-month review. I think the thing, you know, I think probably one of the things that's been holding me back personally is that, you know, I mean, married, two kids, standard middle class, upper middle class, what have you, um, just looking to save, uh, maximize my retirement savings and also trying to put some money, get ahead of uh, the curve with my college education for my kids. But I think the thing that's been giving me some concern is that I'm afraid that it's going to come in come into something where it's going to be more expensive than I thought on an annual basis. Well, let me put you at rest and say this. You buy the hours that you want us to give you advice on. So you're in control from the get-go. And I think that's crucial because in the E of Egadim, establishing the relationship, the comfort the, 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 the comfort of that the client knows what is the relationship that he, what's he expecting from the planner and what's the planner expecting from the client. So uh, it can never be more money than the client wants to spend. The client tells us how much he wants. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. But I will tell you this. If you are married with two children, are you bo- are both you and your wife working? No, no, single income. I'm the only one. Okay, well, that is a crucial need for financial planning because... Uh, you have three people depending on you. So when you say it, I'm just it's a simple scenario, well, what would be more complicated? Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you are the person who in general tends to say you know what we better keep a tab on all these things because i got all these different areas of my life and the balls up in the air and if something falls i'm the one provider and we've got two children and we need to go so in your situation i would say begin and then define it with us once you start working with us understood well listen i appreciate you taking the time to answer my question on that and, you're welcome uh, jeff maybe feel a lot better about good, oh, good. Jeff, yeah. yeah i hope we have a chance to meet with you because uh number one you're a longtime listener number two you've already looked at our form adv if you haven't gone through it again and when you got it recently go back through it again because we list there every service we provide and basically the time is established by you and uh Looking forward to meeting with you, Jeff. I appreciate your call. And one last thing I would say, Jeff, is that um, one evening while the children are asleep, when you finally get them down and you and your wife are maybe having a, uh, a cup of tea or a soda, just start writing down the questions that you have and that your wife has. And then when you come in, we can certainly address them. Okay. Good deal. Thank you so much, Lynn. I appreciate that. All right. Have a wonderful week, and thanks for calling. You know, I like Jeff's question because it may be something that's in the back of a lot of people's heads, and I like Linda's last answer because that's very important. We will not meet with a client until we have sent them a Form ADV, which is the reform required of the Securities and Exchange Commission defining all of our fees, our services, and what we offer. After we've sent them that, we still won't meet with them until we have received from them 
enough information to where we can have a, re, a, 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 a good meeting with them. Very productive. A very productive meeting. But even more importantly is what Linda said. When they come into the office, every client for the last 25 or 30 years has come in with a written, a, 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 a written list of questions. Correct. Every question that you want answered. Will get answered. And we will answer every question you bring us no matter what question it is in your financial world. And not only will we answer every question at that first meeting, we will send you a written set of notes of that meeting and written answers to each question that you got. So you will definitely feel you got your money's worth. And where we go from there is according to the relationship that you've wanted to establish with us at the first meeting. That's right. Perfectly said. Thinking about your financial future? Have questions and need answers? Call Lewis Financial Management for a consultation with Doug or Deborah Lewis at 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000. Isn't it true that every person's situation is kind of basically the same, plus or minus a few zeros, and every... But he has their own situation. Yeah, let's go back to this this girl Kim's situation. I, I liked it because we were right in the middle. She called a radio show. She called a financial radio talk show in Atlanta. And she said her name was Kim, but didn't give her last name. And she said that she had blown $90,000, which was her college fund, which was set up by her grandparents many years ago. And now she's shy $20,000 for her senior year. And she's blaming her parents on the air calling the radio show this and it wasn't only hilarious. one call there were about four different calls so what happened next deborah well um let's see some some quotes about what she was talking in the in the first uh call that she had made she said it just wasn't very i just wasn't very good with my budget i also used it to budget for school clothes stuff like that my college break and i'm sure there she's talking about spring break uh, her college break money but i should not have done that so she, she was starting to realize that there there could have been a better way to have spent this money definitely better choices huh And so then she calls another time, and this time she said that her parents told her that there was nothing they could do for her because they didn't have any money. Well, she accused her father of being a little bit of a jerk about it after she told him she was broke. They're not being honest with me, she said, telling me. They don't have it because my father's worked for like a million years and they've got a uh, a retirement account. She said her parents suggested she take out a loan with the credit union. And I'm like, hey, am I supposed to do this? How am I supposed to do this? So anyway, so the next day, Kim told the show she went down to the credit union after all to apply for a loan. She said the loan officer told her she would need to get her parents as co-signers because she didn't work and she didn't have any collateral. She back to this Atlanta show and she told the show her parents wouldn't co-sign unless she got a part-time job. So it seems pretty reasonable. L- long story, then the fourth call to the station, Kim tells the, uh, the listeners that her situation has improved. Her loan has been approved for the 20000 she's lacking for the the last two semesters of of tuition and she was looking for a job and uh, that things had to improve but funny enough Doug and Linda she was still blaming her parents 
You know, she said, I know they're trying to teach me a lesson, blah, 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 and character building. Uh, but like I hope, but like I hope they realize that this can have such a negative effect on my grades and on me as a person. <laughs> so she was saying, you know, you know, I'm, I'm realizing some things. But at the same time, she's saying, you know, well, nobody helped me. Uh, when I had this 90000 to spend okay. on a college education. All right. So, of course, the the radio show, uh, they had a psychologist get involved. And they discussed, you know, what was her problem and how she needed to get uh, uh, psychiatric counseling maybe and everything. Uh, that's not the kind of radio show that Lewis Financial Management offers, nor is it Money Matters with the Lewis family. Well, she's I'm a ask princess. The, well, that's all right. <laughs> I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask you, Deborah. Who's Making at fault? Making bad decisions. Who's no. at fault? No, I, the mother, I, the yeah, parents or yeah, the, I don't or the fault child? her. I fault the parents. I totally fault the parents. Um, and the reason why is you you gave an 18-year-old a 90000 or access to a 90000 fund and said lots of luck. Now, I don't fault them from a um, uh, an, uh, an unaware point of view. I fault them like many other parents. They didn't know how to teach financial planning habits and principles to this young lady. And if... You are in that category and you're thinking, wow, I don't know if I'm teaching good habits to my young people who are going off to college and they have a, a college fund. Then there's a solution. There's a way to deal with this. Thinking about your financial future. Do you have questions that need answers? For a consultation with Doug or Deborah Lewis, call Lewis Financial Management at 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000. Okay, let, let let me let me toss in my opinion here. Number one, she's a spoiled brat. Okay, I thoroughly agree. She's a spoiled brat. She takes a, a, a trip to Europe on spring break. She blows the money. She uh, and then she starts bad mouthing her dad, who's she says is a jerk because he's got a big retirement account and everything. And uh, and wanting her to get a job might be uh, hurt her her psychological well being as a person. Okay, so she's a spoiled brat. But number two. How'd she get that way? She got that way because of her parents. And so I agree with Deborah 100%. It began with the parents. And so I hear, I agree with Kim. I agree with Kim. It's all her parents' fault. Now, let's go back to Jeff, our earlier caller. He said he's got young children. Okay. Well, consider this parent, the parents of Kim. They probably are just as financially illiterate as, as Jeff. The only thing is, they couldn't teach her, so they didn't teach her. What were they going to teach her? It's like telling a, a a blind man teach somebody what the what the color blue is. They they were they're unable to teach her. So what should they have done? Well, I would say hire a financial planner. That's what they should have done. They Definitely. should have when they were young, when the children, were, when Kim was young, they should have hired their own personal financial planner, if for nothing else, to tell to bring Kim in. To start, how many times have we had clients in the last year ask us, can we have our children come in and have a financial planning yes, session? Yes, that's definitely the answer. And I think my opinion is that when I say that she's a princess, kids today are enabled and they are... Um, what is the word, Deborah? Well, they have $90,000 on a college fund, so I don't know how far I'm going to go on the accusation. I would just say this. Whether or not you're a, an 18-year-old with 90000 or you're a retiree who accumulated 90000 in your 401k, here's what I would say. It's much better to pay for a professional third-party opinion on how to best spend it. I mean, that's really what it boils down to. This girl you know, made herself 
um, the brunt of many jokes and the brunt of many conversations during this week. But it's a lesson for us all to learn. You know, you have to hire someone. You, how, how, if you don't know how to do it, you need better third party planning on how to exactly. pay for college you know and do better. I'm thinking of the client who recently asked us about investing $50 a month for his, uh, his, his young, young, young daughter. And, you know, just start, starting the habits of a little pay yourself first, of setting aside some money and Absolutely. watching it grow. These are principles that are the same principles that later on, the, the middle-class millionaire, when he's retired, began those principles very early in life. That's right. That's right. What I was going to say was enabled and entitled. But the way to turn this around is, like you said, Deborah, to work with a certified financial planner so you can get direction. And hopefully, when she gets a job, she'll start doing a pay yourself first, like Deborah said earlier. Well, what's new in the world of cash flow planning? Well, if you think about it, Linda, Kim, her problem began when she was just a young girl. And everything we've just said is her parents should have started her with financial principles when she was a young girl. On the other hand, there are some financial planning topics that should be discussed with new college graduates. Now we're talking about ones who are 21, 22 years old. That's right. How to start your financial life the best way possible. So if uh, the spring semester has wrapped up, you've graduated, um, you, you're ready, you're, you're getting ready to start your first job and uh, you're getting ready to venture out. It might be your parents or it might be another relative, but they need to share some tips with you because for you to have the best opportunity, you need to know a few things. And if, if those people in your life um, can't teach them to you, they can hire a certified financial planner to uh, help you get the best start in your financial life. Here we go. So here are some tips for recent graduates. Doug, what would be your tip number one? Well, you know, I'm just thinking colleges and universities, they've wrapped up their spring semester. They've heard the kids have all heard their commencement speeches. They've left college. Many of them have jobs. Uh, and now they're facing the realities of high student debt, little savings. So I would say the first thing to look at is control the outgo. It's understandable that a new graduate with a decent income may have some spending urges that were pent up during their frugal student years. But rather than jump from a room in a shared house to a single apartment or trade a bike and the bus for a brand new car, I would say they're better off spending only a little more on housing and transportation than they did in their college years. You know, unmonitored small expenses can be a big budget buster if you think about it. So, important, track spending. See where their money is going and what can be cut. Very good advice. For a consultation with Doug or Deborah Lewis, call Lewis Financial Management at 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000. All right, Linda, what would you say is our second piece of advice to recent graduates? It's definitely important to establish an emergency fund. So if you're going to discuss with your new graduate, tell them to first get at least six months worth of expenses set aside in a liquid savings account. 
And there are three types of expenses, right, Debs? There really are. So if you're basing this three months emergency fund or six month emergency fund, you need to know how do your expenses or how are they categorized? So there are, just like Linda said, three types. There are reoccurring monthly expenses. And then number two, there are non-monthly fixed expenses. And then there are discretionary expenses. So if you need to save three or six months of an emergency fund, base those just on the recurring monthly expenses. Yeah, I, I, I like that because so many people, they, they do it the wrong way. They, they either do. do six months of income or six months of my annual expenses, but just the recurring monthlies, the ones we call RMEs in our office. I'd say also another tip is jumpstart retirement savings. Jumpstart your retirement savings. You may think, retirement? I just started working. I, I, I just finished college. Four <laughs> years before that, I was eating in my mommy and daddy's house, and I'm thinking retirement. Right, but right. Yes, jumpstart retirement. Once the basic financial needs have been taken care of, now it's time for the new graduate to start saving as aggressively as possible for retirement. You know, it's tricky enough to get young people to take actions that will protect them in the distant future. It's even more difficult to convince them to save for tomorrow when there are so many fun ways to spend the money today. You know, isn't it true that if you were on your own, um, you'd be spending maybe 600 to $1,000 a month? And maybe because you don't have enough money and you're a recent graduate, you're still staying at mom and dad's house. But you've got a new job. And as you said, Debs, it's important to jumpstart the retirement savings by getting into the habit of saving every month so that it can grow. Yeah, instead of trying to get the new graduate to not spend anything at all, maybe the best way to do it is just suggest to wait a few years before you start splurging. You can point out maybe that $5,000 saved every year from age 22 to 32 is going to be worth far more at age 65 than if they save the $5,000 from age 62 all the way up to 65. 32. Mm-hmm. Did I say? You said 62. 32. Right. So the difference between saving between ages 22 and 32 can be seen uh, when they're compared to the ages between 32 to 65. In other words, just get started. Do it when you're young. And uh, if your grad has a full-time job, suggest that they sit down with a certified financial planner. Because something that we do in our office is we'll even meet with you and look at your 401k options and the enrollment documents from your, your employer. So if you don't even know where to begin, we can help you by reviewing those investment options and suggest how much to save into your suggested allocation. Yeah, probably the last thing that I would say for new graduates is be bold. Be bold with your investments. Those of us who are getting on in years take it for granted that stock market mutual funds can go up as well as down, and sometimes in a relatively short period of time. That, of course, is the price that investors always pay to get superior long-term returns. New savers and investors may not be aware of this likelihood. They may even be too conservative with long-term investments. But the retirement savings can go towards something with a higher risk-reward ratio. Just make sure that this new graduate knows that a big decline in any given year is possible, and there's no reason to panic. That's right. All good advice. You're listening to Money Matters with the Lewis Family on News Radio 680 WPTF. 
Well, in the area of financial planning, are there any steps to a financially secure retirement? Well, that's usually the the big question, you know, and and a lot of people come to financial planners, uh, the topic, um, unknowing of really, you know, what do you do? You have questions. The Lewises have answers. For a consultation with Doug or Deborah Lewis, call Lewis Financial Management at 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000. You know, if I... As a certified financial planner could give people one piece of advice when it comes to planning for retirement, it would be this. Get a written financial plan. Everyone needs one. No matter what your income level, savings, investments, or age, everyone needs a written financial plan. A financial plan is a key because it drives all the other things in your retirement. It should include not only your investments, but any pension money, that you expect to receive, and a plan for when you're going to take Social Security. So, Doug, how can people go about getting a written strategy? Well, obviously, the first thing you have to do is find a financial planner who will write, who will create a financial plan for you and update it regularly. You should select someone, of course, who is a certified financial planner. You also, I think, should find someone who will come up with an overall financial plan before they try to sell you anything. It's best to find one who has at least 10 years of experience. If the advisor has less experience, then he or she should be working with someone more experienced. Another thing I think you should ask is ask about how the advisor is paid. Crucial. Yeah, financial advisors are paid by either fee, commission, or combination. The advice and the investment products you get may depend on how your advisor is compensated. So you need to insist on seeing a copy of their ADV. Even if you don't have a lot of money to invest, you may be able to find an advisor who will work with you on an hourly rate to create a financial plan to get you started. After this, I think you should expect to meet with your advisor regularly You need to meet either every three, four, or six months. We update our financial plans for our clients and review their investments, I know. I have actions for them to do, such as going to see an attorney to get their estate planning done. I have action items for me to do, such as rebalancing their portfolio or doing some research on a topic. But there should be the regularity of continuing. That sort of answers Jeff's question that he asked earlier, our caller. It really does. You need to make sure the financial plan includes a retirement section. Do projections. Am I on track? Am I saving enough to retire one day? If you are already retired, then you need help managing your money so you don't run out. You need to ask yourself, when do I plan? When do I plan? When I do a plan, um, when I get my plan, I need to make sure that they consider a whole bunch of other things, things that could change my situation. Perhaps curveballs like higher inflation, lower returns, living a long time, or what if one of us goes to a nursing home? So you need to figure out with your financial planner uh, how this nest egg is going to handle those kinds of changes in your situation and uh, if it will be enough. Doug, what would be another um, way to make sure that you're getting a good financial plan? Well, really, the financial plan has to have a smart investment strategy. Now, I know at Lewis Financial Management, our plans use a risk reduction methodology. So all of ours start with 
how to reduce risk, we begin the first step of no individual investments. Then we want pools of investments only. They're safer than individual investments. And then we want no unmanaged pools because managed pools are safer than unmanaged pools. We want active managers on our pools. No passive investments, right? That's right. We want managers who use research, not timing. In other words, we want managers who are using fundamental analysis rather than technical analysis. And we want managers who are still on their funds. You know, the funds don't advertise that, but you need to make sure that your managers are the ones that are still on the funds, that you're looking at their track record. And lastly, what we do at Lewis Financial Management is we spread the risk evenly, having equal unit sizes. So that's the investment strategy we use. Your financial plan should have a written investment strategy. Thinking about your financial future? Have questions and need answers? Call Lewis Financial Management for a consultation with Doug or Deborah Lewis at 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000. So this answers the question, you know, are there... Any steps to a financially secure retirement? There are, and yours should be quantified in a written financial plan. Lewis Financial Management, we've been answering people's questions, solving their dilemmas, and creating financial plans. Whether you're just starting out, whether you're in pre-retirement, or maybe you are retired, call us at Lewis Financial Management. Set up an appointment. That number in Raleigh is 919-872-7000. 919-USA-7000, and we serve folks in the Triangle and all over the United States. Steve, this is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. How can I help you? How you doing? Yeah. Um, I uh, have just come into some money from an, an inheritance, and because of that, uh, well, I really don't have a clue as to what to do with it. So, uh, I mean, I want to invest it. I don't want to go blow it on something. And uh, I was figuring... Well, I heard a little bit about annuities. I was wondering if you could tell me some pros and cons of well, trying to set it. Maybe you could invest it in commodity futures, you know, or pork bellies. Well, I don't want to do anything <laughs> speculative. I, I want to do something that's uh, secure. Uh, you know, I don't want to take many chances here. I, I know, right. You want something that's going to be guaranteed that it's going to double in the next year, right? Uh, pretty much, yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> How much Steve. are we talking Steve, about, Steve? A, let's get some facts in front of us. How old are you? 39. 39 years old, married or single? Married. Married. Any children? Three. Three kids. Wife working? Yeah, she just started the job. All right. Uh, how much is your income? How much is her income? Uh, mine's 68. Hers is 58. 68 and 58. Three children at home. All right. Uh, what's the size of the inheritance? It's about 64000 64000 What do you presently have in your investment portfolio right now? Um, like savings. I, All right, I, let's take them in pieces. What do we have in savings and cash and money market and CDs? About 5000 5000 What do we have in mutual funds? Um, not much. Uh, virtually nothing. All right. Uh, we any... recently moved here and pretty much put the whole thing into the house. So uh... Okay, so no personal investments, it sounds like. And not at this moment, right. How, how about retirement plans? Yeah. Um, what do we have in retirement plans? Right now, about uh, close to 100000 It's in the 401k. Uh, what, of course, discourages me is, uh, you know, that you have nothing in personal investments, and that now you have your one-time shot to go ahead and start a personal investment portfolio, right? Pretty much. We're, we're going to set it up to get $1,000 a month into, into savings. So. Good for you. 
we're going to try it. That will be building soon. As I said, she just started the job. So before that, we were, you know, just living on the one income and not much else. Yeah, well, that's really good because, and by the way, get a copy of a book called Wealthy Barber. Wealthy Barber. If you miss it, uh, call my office and Linda will get to get a copy to you. The phone number at the office is 919-872-7000. Now, uh, because that will really grow, that'll mean more to you in the next 20 years of your working years than the 64000 But the 64000 that in itself is a significant uh, one-time hit that you do have the ability to do. Are you familiar with the term asset allocation? Yes. You should approach this from the viewpoint of an asset allocation model. Right. The asset allocation model for your age is pretty easy for me to deal with. Your risk tolerance, you need to meet with a certified financial planner and get a comfort level established between you and the planner in terms of uh, what risk you're able to take. I would structure your asset allocation model using the uniform unit size methodology. And that would be where you determine the unit size that's suitable. Uh, if we're adding at the rate of a thousand a month into one of the pieces, then I would say you could probably go ahead and use maybe $10,000 units. That would give you six of them. Maybe $15,000 units. That might give you four of them. Then you might have one growth fund. You might have one growth in income fund. You might have one large cap international fund, possibly a balanced fund, again, depending on your risk tolerance. And if we had four, then that's where, you know, uh, $15,000 units, then that, that would fit. But I would say that with a growth fund, possibly two growth in incomes or two growth funds, uh, an international large cap, if you wanted to be more aggressive with one piece, you could have a small cap fund, possibly a sector fund, but sector funds require, again, a little more uh, a little more knowledge of the risk you're taking. Thank you much. I appreciate it. Well, thank it. you for calling, Steve. And if we can be of further assistance, give us a call. That number is 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000. Thank you much. Take care. Well, very interesting call. Absolutely. And, and you know, it's funny. We uh, I guess we're accidentally brilliant tonight because uh, we couldn't have better calls that have met some of the topics that were discussed this week. And um, another big one this week, Doug, you and I both had meetings regarding estate planning, and there are lots of flavors of families out there. And one of those uh, that we talk about less frequently that definitely needs to be brought up is estate planning for singles. Yeah, this is a big, big topic these days, single people, estate planning for single people. You know, while discussions for estate planning often focus on married couples, estate planning for a single person is equally as important. In many cases, a single person may need to do things differently, and the consequences of not having a well-coordinated estate plan for single people can create real problems. Yeah, most single people own assets in their names individually, but they may also own assets as a joint tenant with rights of survivorship. Other assets, such as life insurance or retirement assets, will be distributed at death according to the terms of their beneficiary designations, which means they won't pass through estate documents anyway. Yeah. How these varying assets are titled and how the beneficiary designations are, repair, are prepared will directly impact who's going to get control of those assets and how they're going to be distributed at the individual's death. If an individual dies without any will, that's called being dying intestate, 
then possessions are distributed according to the default laws of North Carolina. For a single person, however, the default under North Carolina usually provides that assets are passed on to their closest relatives, like children, parents, siblings. And then if there are no relatives alive, assets may go to the state of North Carolina. So to avoid having North Carolina decide the fate of your assets, it's imperative that you put an estate plan in place to ensure your wishes are carried out. So, Linda, there are some estate planning essentials, some documents that everybody needs. What would be your advice on the will? Well, your will allows you to distribute assets as you see fit. So that's your instructions from the grave, so to speak. That's right. And it's the court-supervised process of accounting for your assets. So we got to have a will. Number two. Yeah, Doug, what would be, what about the durable power of attorney? Yeah, this document lets you appoint someone to manage your day-to-day financial and personal affairs, even if you become unable to do so for yourself. A single person should select a trusted friend or family member with strong financial acumen. And Linda, what about medical provisions? A health care directive speaks to your medical wishes if you're unable to communicate them yourself. So a medical power of attorney names an individual who's authorized to discuss as well as to make decisions on your treatment and your care. So when selecting someone for this role, remember that it doesn't have to be the same person as your financial power of attorney. Take care to choose a trusted individual who knows you well and who will respect your wishes regarding medical care and life support decisions. Very important. I would say another uh, piece that you're going to want to have reviewed on a regular basis is making sure, even though it's not an estate document, it gives the state instructions, which are going to be all of your beneficiary designation forms. These will determine who will receive benefits, including life insurance and retirement plan assets. So be certain to designate that these designation forms are up to date. I would say another item is to decide whether you need a revocable living trust. And lastly, of course, is hire us. We are certified financial planners that can help design your estate plan and qualify the right attorney to draft the documents. So this is what we do, and we're here to help you. Remember, we are the Lewis family reaching out to help you and your family, whether you're single or whether you're married. You've been listening to Money Matters with Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis. Money Matters provides you with a personal financial hotline on any subject where money really matters. For more information, you can call Doug, Linda, or Deborah in Raleigh at 919-872-7000. That's 919-872-7000. Or go to DougAndLinda.com. And listen again next Sunday at 6 p.m. for more Money Matters with Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis on News Radio 680 WPTF.